This is from Ram Dass's book called Be Love Now. He writes, he's talking, this is a chapter on the saints. And he writes, that's where Darshan comes in. It's a transmission from soul to soul. The ancient wisdom is experiential. It comes from voices and stories carrying the vibration of the soul. To tread on the path to the spirit requires wisdom beyond rational knowledge. Siddhas have firsthand experience of the universe with like wise beings. Their wisdom comes out of the one. The literal translation, this is the part, of darshan is view. And darshan in the broad sense is the view these realized beings have from the one, from the oneness, right? That place where we're all connected, right? Compassion comes out of the one too because they're compassionate with somebody else's passion. Compassion is not empathy. Empathy occurs between two separate beings. When one person thinks sympathetically of another, compassion is experiencing another's emotion as one's own with the wisdom of oneness. Another person's suffering is one's own suffering. These saints are models of compassion. They are expressions of the one. Maharaji said, a saint's heart melts like butter. No, it melts even more than butter. Butter only melts when you put it near the fire, but a saint's heart melts when anyone else's heart comes near the fire. Mm, I love that. I just love that passage so much. But I want you to think about the literal translation (coughs) of darshan is view. And darshan in the broad sense is the view these realized beings have from the one. Okay, so last week we did um, some homework. Hopefully you did some homework um, where we worked with the loving kindness practice and ourselves, right? Just for one week, offering that unconditional, saying yes to what is broad, expansive love toward ourselves. And this week, we're going to continue adding in the loving kindness practice for ourselves. So you'll start with yourself in your practice. And remember, we're talking four to five times a week for 12 minutes a day. If you have a longer meditation practice opportunity, add it in because it benefits, right? All of it adds up. Um, It's cumulative. (laughs) Um, And then the second thing you're going to add in this week, which is the thing we've never worked with before, is beginning to add in a neutral person, right? So um, when I was talking about this in class yesterday, everyone giggled very appropriately when I said neutral person because uh, we tend to go around the world, right, in our protective bubble suit 
of judgment <laughs> where there is not a lot of neutral people, right? We're like judging you, judging you, judging you. You're this, you're that, you're that. I'm going to put you in this category, that category, um, which is our natural human way of trying to keep us safe, right? So there's nothing. That's just what we tend to do. Our brain likes to judge and categorize. And this practice is inviting us to be more expansive than that, right? To practice and cultivate a love without conditions, without preference. And if you haven't listened to last week's um, teaching, go back to the online class or listen to the podcast that's up there and you can get some more tips on the more broader version of loving kindness. So that's our work for this week toward oneself and then also toward a neutral person. So let's explore neutral a little bit more. Um, it would not be someone, for example, that you have a crush on or that you're longing to be friends with or also someone that you tend to have um, a lot of negative feelings and friction with. Right? You might have a sense that you don't want to get too close to this person. It's not like you're trying to be friends with them, but it's not something necessarily where you've had some sort of interaction with them that is uh, negative, right? That's already colored your perception, your view of them. So a lot of times, a good way to describe this is that these people have a role in your life rather than a soul in your life. And by soul, I mean like that, um, yummy feeling, right? Where you've connected soul to soul, but it might be your mail person, your mail carrier, or, um, a delivery driver or a grocer or, um, oh, my grandpa just came into my consciousness. He was a vegetable man for 50 years. Um, hi grandpa. Um, and, it might be someone who is at your coffee shop and makes your coffee or that you go get your beer at the store from the corner store, but someone who maybe you haven't even paid a lot of attention to, or even have had that feeling of like not moving toward. So that's the kind of person that you're going to pick this week. And it can be multiple people. You can pick someone new every day. It does not have to be the same person, but do pick one person. Cause this came up for me. I'm a couple days ahead of y'all do pick one person to work with at each setting. I noticed myself kind of like wanting to scan through a bunch of people, just stick with one. And the way that you're going to call them up is through an image, most likely, right? What is it that they look like? Maybe you can recall a hat or, um, their name tag if they were at the store or something that they said to you or the sound of their voice. And one of the things that can happen for this meditation, because it is not someone who we have a lot of connection with, right? and remembering that the translation for metta is connection, the translation for metta is connection. So we're cultivating a deeper connection with this person um, on a spiritual level from like what Ram Das was talking about in that section. We're moving toward connecting with them from the oneness, from that expansive, limitless love that connects us all. Yeah? All right. So you'll call them up. Um, 
and you'll offer them the phrases in the same way that you do towards yourself, which is feeling the energy behind them. And it can feel a little bit dry, right? Um, which is where I was going and then got lost on the way. <laughs> it can feel a little bit dry. And so like when I do loving kindness meditation, y'all, for my kids, it is instantaneous tears. Like my heart just explodes with the amount of care and love that I have for them that rises quite naturally. And it will not probably be the case for these folks who are neutral people in our life. And so it's more challenging, I notice, to stay behind the phrases and keep the energy there. So that's something to be aware of. Okay, so um, playing a role. There are a couple things that will also come up, which is that for me, this is a big one for me, is that I, um, the way sometimes that I interact with folks is from my wounded place, which is one that is really longing to be accepted, to belong, and to be loved. So with these neutral people, it can feel... Um, I have to be very cautious of moving into wanting there to be some sort of string attached like this. It would look like this for me and maybe for you too. I just bring it up because it's very common. I wonder if they love me. Like, are they feeling this? Do they love me now? Like more maybe than they've loved anyone else. Do they find that I'm entertaining and charming and beautiful and funny um, and probably more funny and beautiful than anyone else, you know, <laughs> and that, that can start to be the energy. I'm not necessarily going up to them and saying these things or trying to impress them, but I just notice that energy of wanting to be liked and to belong and to be loved that can come behind the words. And what do we do then? Then we sit with it. And for me, I laugh at myself at this point, my humor and my meditation practice is one of my greatest tools. I offer that to you because it dissolves that second arrow that can be on the way like, oh, look at you wanting to be loved again, right? And instead I get to laugh and be like, you want to be loved more than anyone perhaps on earth, Audra, Carmini. That's like what's happening for you here. And um, when I say it lightly and I can hold my neuroses so lightly like that, it doesn't have power anymore. Right? It softens and I'm able to be soft and generous with myself. And then from that place, I can return back to the energy behind the words, which is offering of connection and care without condition. Okay. The next thing that can come up um, is judgment, which we already talked about. So noticing if you're who you are willing to include in this practice this week and who you're excluding right, is an interesting thing. Um, if there's judgments about this person that come up, I noticed it was interesting I picked um, for my meditation practice this morning someone who is a checker, and he said this thing to me one time, one time that I had some judgment about, and that totally rose 
in my meditation practice this morning, um, which was so interesting. And then I got to sit with my own need for some reason to find a way to disconnect, even though what I was wanting to do was actually to connect, right? Um, So that will come up too, just little ways in which we dehumanize, objectify, judge, and move towards the energy of disconnection rather than connection. And I'd like to say that that's our brains do that, right? Tarbrock talks about this all the time. Our brains do that as a protective mechanism because as human beings, in order to survive long ago, we had to be able to discern who was safe and who was not safe. And so it's a totally, absolutely normal thing to do. Um, But in the same way, but we don't want to live there. Yes, we do want to discern who's safe and who's not safe. Um, But a lot of times our judgment is colored by our conditioning. And so it's a discerning of whether or not that judgment is actually based on some sort of fact or whether it is coming from our conditioning. And the judgment that came up for me in this meditation practice this morning was absolutely from my conditioning, right? Um, Ram Dass has a new, Ram Dass, he, he's not living, it's almost been two years since he died, but his pod, the podcast that um, his folks put up for him there's a new one up and there's this beautiful part in the beginning. It's actually a really beautiful podcast. Um, he does, it was interesting timing for me because he actually, he does talk about, um, the usefulness of Western medicine and mental health, um, for like a coming back and a returning to center. And so it was very powerful for me to listen to, but there's this one part where he talks about, he, and he does talk about this a lot. Um, sort of how I'm like, oh, love me, love me more than anyone else. His desire is like, do you think I'm good? Am I such a, I'm a very good boy, aren't I? (laughs) Right? And that's his wanting to be um, seen as a good person in the same way I, I want so desperately to be loved. And both of those things come from the woundedness of childhood that then becomes, develops into some sort of like psychological personality pattern. And all of it is to be held lightly. And he said for himself that he began to do this mantra, which was just simply like, I exist, right? I am because I exist. I exist. I have a right to exist, which I found so profound, right? And what's behind that is that I have a right to exist whether I am quote unquote good or quote unquote bad. It's an untethering from the conditioning and moving toward an, a union with I amness, an inquiry into I amness. Just I am. I am because I exist. And so um, that, I think, for us is a very useful thing for this week to just begin to notice. Because a lot of times the things that we, the conditions that we put on other folks 
are also the conditions that we put on ourselves. That we think that we need to be a certain way in order to be loved in this life, as I tell you all all the time. Um, Okay, let me look at my notes here and check in. Mm. Yeah. So what we're doing here is that many times, and I talked about this earlier, is that we're walking around with this suit, right? This protective suit on where we don't let a lot in and we don't put a lot out. And there's this very um, purposeful distancing that happens. And so in this meditation practice with this neutral person this week, we're letting go on purpose of that distancing. We're purposely dwelling more in the truth of our interdependence and connection, not only with ourselves, but with folks who are not living in our body. (laughs) Right? So it is an exercise in not othering. And if we think about the world today, um, I was thinking about this actually after my meditation practice this morning, how much hope it would give me if there were more folks out there practicing exactly this kind of loving kindness, this meta meditation, this exercise in connection for the neutral people in our lives because it colors the lens that we wear when we go out into the world. And I'll finish with this story because it's an actual, I'm a couple days ahead of y'all in this practice. So (coughs) this is day four for me, adding in the neutral person, just so I can have notes from the field. As I told you last week, uh, it's helpful. I chose, my world got very small over the last week. I wasn't able to be with family. They were all together for the first time in two years, but because of my sickness, I was disinvited to all of the gatherings, which I totally understand. Um, And so I was inside, sweating out my fever, walking my dog up and down the alley kind of to avoid folks. And there is a person who uh, I see all the time in my alley. He smokes cigarettes next to his truck. And I don't know how he seems to be there all day. And I seem to be walking in the alley all day. We just tend to cross paths a lot. And to be completely honest, I had more of an aversion feeling toward him. So that wanting to keep distance. And so I chose him because I knew he was someone who I was probably going to see in the alley for my person for the first couple of days. And here's what happened. Um, I have been really pretty trying to keep my distance, but I chose him as my neutral person and was practicing this for a couple days. And then I ran into him um, and my dog stopped to pee like right in front of him. And I had this feeling of like not wanting to connect. My protective suit was very much on. But because I had been practicing this meditation for a couple of days, I was like, okay. And so I just said, hi, I see you every day in the alley. Um, I'm Audra. I live down there. And he said, hey, I'm Terry. And um, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I walk by you a lot. And he was like, 
I know you're afraid of me. And it was so he called me out in, in this, like, humorous, compassionate, kind of hilarious way. (laughs) Like, he just went right to the thing. He was like, all right, well, if we're going to be saying hi now as neighbors, like, we have to, like, just have it named that you've been afraid of me. And I said to him, I was like, I totally have. I've been like a little bit nervous, you know, <laughs> wanting to keep my distance. And then, and then that was it. We didn't need to solve. There was nothing to solve. There was nothing to do. There was nothing to say except for the truth. And then we started from this new place, which was rooted in the truth of I'm Audra, you're Terry. You live here with your mom. You smoke cigarettes in the alley. I walk and run a lot in the alley. And we're going to say hi, and I'm not scared anymore. And you're not feeling like there's this person who's terrified of you anymore. And there was an instantaneously this connection. <laughs> it was very fascinating experiment, my friends. And I'm not saying that's going to happen at all. Like, remember that we're doing this without, um, we're just letting go of needing it to be anything. There's another thing that might come up is that you may uh, feel the need for the relationship to change and then you bring that into your consciousness and say, oh, look at me. I'm feeling the need for this relationship to change, to have it be something different and less than or less than neutral or more than neutral, you know, and to sit with that and be in the discomfort of that it may not change. Right. But I think For whatever reason, that was just some sort of strange miracle of my world getting really small, me happening to choose him, and then my dog peeing right in front of him and me making a decision to say hi. You know? (laughs) Um, It was cool. It was interesting. And also felt a little bit like one of those miracles that happens, especially when he said to me, I know you've been scared of me. Um, So that's what I've got today, friends. Um, Hmm. Oh, yeah, this is a lovely way to think of it as being like we're on the same team, which, as you know, is my favorite, my favorite thing to think about. Um, Going back to that definition of Darshan as we close the lesson, the literal translation of Darshan is view and Darshan in that broad sense is the view these realized beings have from the one. And so what we're doing is momentarily in our meditation practice bringing in that view from the one, realizing our connectedness, our interdependence, and saying yes to all that is with wide open eyes. 